Blog Talk Radio. Stumbled across the number one internet sports talk show in the world. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President. Uh, you will pay me homage over the next few hours because you are on loan from God. I am on loan from God to you that we can walk through this crazy world of sports. We do this thing called the balance every Saturday morning, and we are so privileged that you are on board with us. 917-889-8516 is our digits. If you want to call and talk uh, sports with us and the team, going to be uh, breaking down some college football with our man Rick Riggin here in just a moment. Big game on tap for Notre Dame. Going to be talking about that as well as the other college football uh, rankings that really matter at this point. And, uh, uh, offering our opinions uh, to the committee and see what happens on and how what we can flush out on the other end. Also, NASCAR rolls into Homestead. It is championship weekend. We're going to have ourselves a champion in NASCAR by the end of this weekend. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of SpeedwayDigest.com. Down in Virginia is going to give us a call. He's also our official NASCAR contributor. Also, well, we're going to talk about this first. Also, uh, uh, Rick is standing by in our green room. We're going to talk about the bell did not ring in Pittsburgh. We're going to talk a little bit about that with Rick, but when we get into our NFL segment with our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, with the sports exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash eagles. He's going to join us. We're going to break this down. We are going to talk to death about Levadian Bell. Levadian Bell, I'm just going to say, Bell, why can't people have normal first days? But that's a whole other topic for a whole other show. And then Mo for the BS Sports Show talks with us about when to hold him, when to fold him. Also going to be talking, oh, maybe we got us a problem in the warrior land. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Myself and Rick Rick, and we'll be right back right after this on the Balance Radio Network.
Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? I'm not even upset about anything. Balance 917-889-8516 is our digits. Welcome aboard our executive producer and chief college football guru, the great kahuna, Mr. Rick Riggin. How are you, sir? Pretty good. The uh, correct pronunciation is Le'Veon Bell. And then my question is, 
What would the monthly <laughs> loan payment be if you, if you loan something from God? Do I? No, I didn't hear the last part. What did you say? Oh, yeah, I was going to say, what would the monthly loan payment be? Like, how high of a payment would that be if you loan something from God? Oh, it would be high. The interest, the interest is extremely high. Hey, but guess what? Guess what? <laughs> guess what? The bell did not breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. The bell did not ring in Pittsburgh this week. We're going to get into some college football talk here in just a moment. But Rick Riggett, Lavanian Bell, why can't people just have Le'Veon. normal first names? Le'Veon. Why can't people just have go. normal <laughs> first names? You got Rick, I got Tom. How hard is that? I don't get it. Well, no, that's, because just, our, that's because our parents were just unoriginal. That's all That's all that is. Uh, I reckon. I suppose. We just, <laughs> we, we're just, uh, you know, I, there's a lot of original names out there. And, and it's not unique to football. I mean, I, I have issues with the race car drivers and everything. It's probably just a Tom issue. I should just learn how to pronounce names. Le'Veon Bell did not ring in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they raided the locker room. I, I hear they got themselves some Jordan cleats, and uh, they, uh, I guess uh, he left some some stuff for his teammates. They did they did a raid of his of his locker. He is no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler, although officially on paper he is. Where does he go from here? You said to me, I'm going to wait and save this for the show. I cannot wait to hear this, Mr. Rick Riggin. <laughs> stand by, stand by, Rick. Don't anything yet. We want to hear this. All right. Breaking news right here on the balance. Rick Riggin lets us know where the bell's going to ring next. All right. So, uh, texting with you <laughs> earlier in the week. It's totally not what you want to hear, but the answer is going to be the Raiders, and that's going to be 100%, and it makes totally, like, totally, perfect sense. I actually, I actually, in our text exchange, I said it could be the Raiders. So you, you made it sound yeah, like it was going to be something, something profound that I had not heard, that I did not know. Remember, I'm on loan from God. I said the Raiders. I put that, I put that in the group. I put that well, in the group. you said in, don't in, say the Jets or the Raiders. <laughs> Well, because I figured that because that's what everybody's jumping on. You're right, I, 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 but I think we got to look at some other other uh, teams as well. And honestly, and, and as 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 whatever we want to talk about as far as the the cap space, the money, this, that, and the other, I honestly think that Ballard and Bell's people could work out a deal for here in Indianapolis. I'm not just saying that just to have him here. It'd be great to have him here. Is he going to be a PR nightmare? Probably. But do we need a guy like that on the team? I think we do, especially where we're where we're headed in in doing the things that we want to do. And we need an Edron James type of a uh, uh, guy. We need a, another uh, uh, another sidekick to T. Y. Hilton, if you will, because let's look at it. T. Y. Hilton is not always uh, on his game. So the bell could ring right here in Indianapolis. The bell could also ring it with the Dolphins and, and the Giants, even though they they got. Uh, our, our friend uh, Barkley uh, from Penn State up there in it, it, with the Giants. It makes sense that he goes there. 
But you're right. The Raiders does make a perfect fit. As we know that John Gruden and the Raiders have been tanking all year long. The gig is up. We know what's happening out there uh, in the Raider land. So that is certainly not beyond comprehension at, at all, Rick. Yeah, and I was, you know, you just went on your whole uh, Colts rant there. And now you also going to give you my <laughs> reasoning on why the Raiders uh, are, is going to be the team. I mean, uh, it's popular to say that John Gruden is just the uh, – He's not the coach he once was, you know, because he's failing so bad in Oakland right now. And that's not the case at all. I actually think he's a mad genius. And this isn't about uh, this year and next year in Oakland. This is about their first year in Las Vegas in 2020 when they actually move. Uh, They're going to be set up with a L.A. Rams-like team for that first season in Las Vegas. And this is what John Griggs is doing. He is tearing this team down to rebuilding it. They have three first-round picks in next year's draft, Tom, three. I think one of those is going to be on hold, on reserve. Uh, it's going to sweeten the deal to get Le'Veon Bell out in Oakland. They are going to be set up for 2020. So they're going to have Le'Veon Bell after this draft and still two first-round picks and an extra third-round pick because of their trades for, uh, to, to Dallas for Amari Cooper, you know, sending him to Dallas. So they are set up, and I don't know what happened that whole Khalil Mack thing, but they did get a first-round pick from the Bears. So they are set up with three first-round picks. One of those is on reserve for Le'Veon Bell. It's a valid argument, and it's not really a debatable argument. It certainly is an argument that, that, that makes total sense. That goes back to what I said earlier. The gig is up with, with John Grugan. We've talked about it a couple times on the show. Even even Mo three weeks ago said, or four weeks ago, earlier on in the season said, oh, well, it may have even been after the first game. It was before the Matt trade. Uh, Mo says, hey, uh, here, here's what's happening. They're setting themselves up for Vegas, and and they're tanking. They don't care what happens. That's this, exactly this right. Well, and that's unfortunate that's from the process, the, like the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> well, that's fine. All right, I'll go with that. But at least at least the 76ers were 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 uh, conscious of their fans and their and their season ticket holders and say. Hey, here's the process. Here's what we're doing. John Gruden and the Oakland Raiders are just saying to the fans, "Oh, I'm sorry, we lost that one. We gave it a try." Uh, they're 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 being totally disloyal. It's like the cheating husband being totally disloyal uh, to the the Oakland fan base, who have been. Let's not argue about this. One of the most loyal fan bases ever. John Gruden screwing up the Oakland Raiders fan base by doing this. That that doesn't matter though because they're going to be the Las Vegas Raiders fan base then. Nobody really cares about what the fans think or what the fans want. It's all a business decision. It is all business. It is all to bring in more money. It's all to bring in more wins and championships. It doesn't matter what the fans think. You know, do the do they care about what the fans thought when? The Packers got rid of Brett Favre. Not at all. This that was a business decision. Everything in sports at that level is a business decision. It doesn't matter what the fans think. Well, that's unfortunate because the what makes it a business is the fans. Fans buy merchandise. Right. Fans buy fans tickets. Fans watch television. <laughs> fans are are are, the, are your customer base. That'd be that, that that's like a bank saying, "Hey, we're a bank. We're gonna stop loaning money though." Because it's a business decision, or we're a bank, we're going to stop taking deposits because that's what that was what we do. Or we're a car lot, we're going to stop selling cars because it's a business decision. That's how asinine the 
that it is. It, you're right. It's not just the Raiders. You're right. They they, they think about. It. And I, I'm honestly still very on the uh, other side of curious if if this team's even going to work out in Vegas because people. How many people talk about Vegas and their customer base? Does Vegas know their customer base? Their customer base is tourists, people who come in, who gamble. That's where their money's at. How many people are coming to Vegas and saying, oh, well, I guess I'll catch the Raiders game today. I'll pass up the casino. I'm going to go to the Raiders. Yes, they, there's well, people I that we'll live in out. Vegas. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, well, yeah, it, we're going to have to find out. And, and we're also going to find out about another L.A. team. Where are they going? Are they going up? Or is the Chargers headed up to the Raiders? That's something to think about. We'll get into because the, after this year with the Rams, and the Rams going to maybe go to the Super Bowl, they could very well clinch their division. The first team to do it this early in a long, long time. It's the Rams. Everybody's loving the the Rams out in L.A. They may not have room for another team. Uh, the the uh, city of Oakland might say, hey, come on, charging up this way. We got something for you. It's called the black hole. Also could happen because I know the L.A. doesn't even want the Chargers right now. So they, that very well could happen, too. They could be moving back, moving up to Oakland, the Oakland Chargers. Just want to get I, you I, to say the L.A. Chargers, it's going to be the <laughs> Oakland Chargers. If, if I was in San Diego right now, I'd be like, suck it. Nothing to do with you guys. I'm all, I'm all Padre. I'm all Padre town. Well, let's get into some college football talk. College football, let's get, we'll start it out because it is, I can honestly say this, I got reamed one time because I made a mistake because, you know, I am on loan from God. Sometimes I go rogue and I don't, I don't listen to the great one uh, when he speaks in my ears, um, but <laughs> did not have the right ranking with Notre Dame. I do have it now. They are number three. Didn't see much of a change this week. Let's talk a little bit, a little bit about last week's game. We'll get in uh, last week's games, if you will, in, in the, in the top five, top 10, at least the ones that we're watching as far as with the committee goes. Uh, and we'll start with the, the Georgia game. What were your thoughts on that? And then we'll go into Michigan, Notre Dame, and of course, Alabama, and we'll get through the rankings. And then we'll talk about some uh, Notre Dame and Syracuse today. But we, we saw the Georgia game yesterday. We saw, uh, last week we saw Michigan Rutgers. What we talked about last week, what's going to happen here. Uh, so they both won. That was the scenario that we painted, Rick, on the show. They both won. And the, the, it didn't change, even though Michigan won by great margins against Rutgers. That just goes to show, again, that even though they're number four, I, I think the committee is just looking for a way, just looking for a reason to give Georgia – which is the only SEC team at this point that makes sense to be that number four team. To, to they want a number four, they want a an, another SEC SEC team in the playoffs. Well, the only way that can happen is if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, and that's the only way the SEC would get two game uh, two teams in the top four. And if Notre Dame wins out, unfortunately for you Michigan fans, that will bump Michigan out because if you look at the head to head which the committee, I, I feel like, has forgot about already that Notre Dame beat Michigan. Uh, now they're, they're just looking at how great you look in the past two games with Michigan beating up on the trash teams in the Big Ten by 40 points a game. Uh, that's, all they, that's all they're looking at. So, But in that crazy scenario where Georgia would actually beat Alabama, and I do think with two a little banged up, Alabama does look mortal in a way, you know, so mm-hmm. – I'm not saying it will happen, but if it does happen, uh, 
that's how the SEC gets two teams in, and that would actually bump Michigan out if Notre Dame wins out. That's a big if. That's a real big if. Let's talk a little bit about Michigan, though. Michigan, we we walked into the season, and I I, I still believe this. I'm not a Michigan lover or a Michigan hater. I'm kind of Switzerland when it comes to Michigan. But when it comes to Jim Harbaugh, I do like Jim Harbaugh back from the days when he was here in Indianapolis. And I know he's a, a legacy there at Michigan. And, you know, certainly come back to Michigan. And a lot of Michigan Wolverine fans think that he's their I'm still baffling this, Rick. Their uh, their survivor, their messiah, if you will, he's overpaid, overrated coach. But that said, I'll eat some crow pie here. He 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 certainly has had a much better season than I anticipated, and he sits at that number four bubble. Where are we at here? How does Michigan get into the playoffs? Because we want to, we want to see well, us Big Ten fans as much as as I'm an IU fan. No, that's not going to happen. We now we know we're not going to see Ohio State. We're not we're not going to see Wisconsin or Nebraska. The only chance that Big Ten fans have of seeing a Big Ten team in the playoffs is Michigan. How's that happen? Well, I don't think that's their only chance. But uh, the only way Michigan gets in at this point is to win out because if they lose again, that's two losses and they're going to be done. And they're going to have two opportunities to lose a game here because they still got to go to uh, they go to Columbus next weekend against Ohio State. So that's the game of the year. And then they'll have the the uh, I almost said the SEC championship. So you got me SEC minded. Then they'll have the Big Ten <laughs> championship coming up, and, and uh, that's going to be against Northwestern. Northwestern's already clinched their half of the Big Ten, so they're already in. I think uh, it's still up in the air with Michigan and Ohio State. And that's going to come down to next week's game. But Michigan wins out. They're in. They're in right now anyway. They're ranked number four. So they just have to win out. Uh, but well, if they lose to Ohio State, that's going to put Ohio State in that Big Ten title game. That's going to bump Michigan out and possibly put uh, Ohio State. I don't know if they'll be in. They still got to contend with Georgia and Oklahoma and Washington State ahead of them and what they're going to do. But Ohio State's not out of this thing yet. I, I, I'm still convinced Ohio State is kind of uh, uh, just trying to get through the season to business as usual because Urban Meyer is gone. I, I, I'm not seeing Ohio State with the flair and the uh, anxiety and the excitement. And, and uh, I don't want to say they give up because they're still winning games, but they're not showing to me. They're not showing that they're the Ohio State that they were last year and years before. I think Urban Meyer is on his way, on his way out. We have three 10-0 teams, Notre Dame, obviously, Clemson, and Alabama. Now we talk about go back here. We talk about the streak, the schedule. How ridiculous is it to be at this time of the year and, and talking about the playoffs and talking about the, the, uh, the committee and talking about Alabama? How ridiculous is it that Alabama is matched up against Citadel this time of year? Uh, I think it's the biggest bullcrap thing in sports. This is their second FCS team that they've played this year now. Uh, today when they beat the Citadel by a hundred and something points. Uh, yeah, that should not exactly. be able to score. Everybody wants to talk about Notre Dame does not have that 13th game, that 13th data point to go by. That's why they have to win out to even get in because every other team plays a 13th game. But you shouldn't count those teams against the FCS schools because all today is just a practice game, a warm-up game for the Iron Bowl next week against Auburn. That should not be allowed ever in college football. Uh, it, the way I see it, Hey, you can take it both ways, though. Now this is their second FCS team that they played. 
now they've only played 11 games because I'm not even going to count those two FCS teams. But at the same time, you can't, like, complain about it too much because nobody can beat Alabama anyway, so it doesn't matter who they schedule. So they're going to have to take some losses. Somebody's got to step up and beat them, and then they're going to take a look at their own schedule and maybe schedule less to get these uh, FCS opponents. Well, we look, we look, we look, we, we're going to get into this Notre Dame-Syracuse game, which is going to be a very good, very tight game. Um, Matthew Amber could not join us because of our other obligations. Uh, he certainly called it to be a very close game. You know, the, the, the deck being stacked against Notre Dame. Clemson has Duke. I mean, it's not basketball, and it's not rocket science to figure out what's going on here. Yes, it just seems like as we get later in the season, the, the schedules get softer and softer for these teams, and Notre Dame has to schedule themselves a murderer's schedule because, like we said, they only play the 12 games. Uh, today's game against Syracuse is actually really scary. Uh, the line started at nine points. Notre Dame is a nine-point favorite. That's actually gone up to ten and a half now. I don't know why. I don't know if somebody for Syracuse is injured or what, and it has affected the line. Uh, I don't know if Vegas maybe saw that, when Bush started last week, they didn't know for sure if Ian Book was going to start today, and now it's confirmed that he's going to start. Maybe that's why it's gone up another point and a half. Uh, but as we see, like every November, Notre Dame is like cursed in November. They, they have these great years. Brian Kelly puts together these great teams and great seasons, and they hit uh, November, and they hit a wall. And I'm hoping they get over that hump today because next week against USC, they're going to burn USC by 40 points. So they have to get – get through Syracuse today. Neutral site, Yankee Stadium, ugliest uniforms ever created. Uh, they got all this <laughs> stuff going against them today. <laughs> but they, they're going to have to get it done because they have a, basically a bye week next week against USC. Well, Matthew Embry uh, made sure that he wanted us to let us know that his prediction was 38-34 uh, Notre Dame. It is going to be a close game, and let's let's not rule out the Syracuse orange, if you will. And it's going to be – it's still going to be a home game for Syracuse, even though it is at Yankee Stadium. It's always fun to watch a game there, but yeah, it is curious how they came about those uh, those uniforms. So, but but yeah, a lot's going to be told this weekend, and we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. And what let's let's play a crazy scenario. It's crazy because it really could. What they lose today? Uh, yeah, and Syracuse, they put up a ton of points. Now, they've only beaten one team with a winning record. I don't know if anybody's thrown that stat out there yet. They've only had, they only have one win against a team with a winning record. So, uh, they've just been beating up on the uh, ACC, you know, bottom dwellers pretty much, you know, scoring 40 to 50 points a game. But they did almost beat Clemson about three weeks to a month ago now. This is that game right after Kelly Bryant decided to transfer away. They brought in Trevor Lawrence for his first start, and he got hurt early on in the game, didn't come back. They played their third-string quarterback, and Clemson pulled away, you know, pulled out a 27-24 to 24 win, some three four points, you know, very late touchdown to even beat Syracuse at home, you know, at Clemson. So I think that's still fresh in everybody's mind. That's why uh, it, it's like 50-50 if you talk to experts that they think Syracuse is going to win because they're scoring so many points. But they have not played a defense like Notre Dame's, and they have not seen an offense like Notre Dame's uh, because when they played Syracuse, like I said, they had their third-string quarterback, you know, out there going against them, and they still couldn't beat them. I I, I do think it's going to be a close game. The line's 10-and-a-half. I think it would be about a 10-point win for Notre Dame. Uh, but they need this win bad because if they lose, uh, it, they're not going to the playoffs this year. So you're saying one loss from Notre Dame – 
is going to keep them out of the playoffs. Yeah, one loss. I mean, like like I said, the committee's already forgot about the head-to-head uh, win against Michigan. So that's going to put Michigan ahead of Notre Dame. That dropped Notre Dame out. That's going to put Georgia, probably Georgia in at four. It'd be Michigan three, Georgia four, and uh, maybe Oklahoma at five, Notre Dame six. They're dropping down. Uh, I don't know if it drops them past LSU with two losses, but maybe it even drops them past LSU because LSU is still sitting there at seven. So I don't know how far it's going to drop them out but it will drop them out, and I don't know if they can get back in. Well, we don't have a lot of time left on the clock. We've got to get into some NASCAR talk. It's championship weekend down in Homestead. Uh, but a couple games, let's let's see if we can tap into UK, Middle, Middle Tennessee. Uh, UK's ranked for the first time since God was a kid, as Mo said. Uh, UK ranked against Middle Tennessee State, but I kind of like Middle, Middle Tennessee State in this game. I don't think Middle Tennessee is going to have enough for Benny Snell, the quarterback, or not the quarterback, the running back for Kentucky. Uh, I, I think they're still really good defensively. They played that SEC schedule and had some tough losses. Uh, I don't think there's any problem at all today for Kentucky. West Virginia, Oklahoma State. West Virginia, we've had a lot of fun watching all year long. They're number nine. They go against Oklahoma State. Not seeing much of a story here, but Oklahoma State always plays good at home. What are your thoughts against the Mountaineers? Uh I don't know what the spread is in that game, but I actually like Oklahoma State in this game. Will Greer is the Heisman candidate for West Virginia. They put up a ton of points. Uh, they're really sketchy on defense. It's going to be a shootout if you go either way, but I'm going to take uh, Oklahoma State close. Let's talk about this number four uh, spot. We've got Michigan number four or five slot, which is, is pivoting in a lot of moving parts. Again, Michigan has an easy schedule. I love Indiana. I love my Hoosiers. And, of course, I'm going to be rooting uh, for IU. But IU's down at, uh, is in the big house. They don't win there. It's not going to happen. I don't think anybody expects it to happen. Would I be excited if it happens? Heck, yeah. Uh, but So they're going to win again. And then you've got Georgia has a very easy game, you would think, against uh, uh, uh UMass coming into to Georgia, so you still have that number four, number five battle going on. What happens there today? Well, this both these games, they're just going to run the score up on, on IU and UMass. Uh, I'm sorry, Tom, I know you're an IU grad, IU fan. I like <laughs> IU too, but Michigan's going to beat them by about a, about a half century. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a boat race. And the only reason why is because committee does not like care about head-to-head matchup or – Conference championship games, when they throw the top four teams in the playoff, all that matters is how you've looked in the past month or the past couple games of the season here. So Jim Harbaugh knowing that and uh, Kirby Smart knowing that, they're just going to run the score up. I mean, both teams will score 50 or 60 points and and probably win by about 40 or so points, though. And moving down just a little bit to that number six slot is Oklahoma. I don't know that they have much of a grip on uh, getting that Georgia-Oklahoma spot. That's something that people were talking about. And, I mean, we're looking at the Pac-12, Rick. I don't know. Uh, Does Oklahoma beat – if Oklahoma wins today and Georgia loses today, both of those are – uh, so, well, let me put it this way. Oklahoma is going to win today. Georgia is going to win today. So that's probably not a real scenario. But if one wins and one loses, does that, does that change the number six and number five slot? Well, there's a big growing argument out there that Oklahoma should actually just drop down the rankings because they are just so bad defensively. The only reason why their record is what it is now because of Kyler Murray, who's actually putting up bigger and better stats than uh, uh, what Baker Mayfield did last year when he won the Heisman. 
Uh, he's been all around a better quarterback for Oklahoma. Uh, but their defense is just so bad that uh, the people feel that they should actually drop back in the rankings and Washington State should actually move up. We'll kind of go through some of these other games. We're standing by for Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Uh, certainly NASCAR Championship weekend down in Homestead. So we want to <coughs> – I'm dying, Rick. I'm dying. I'm literally going to die on the air. Last week I last week was a little bit better, but I'm still – I'm still uh, uh, dealing with whatever it is that is going on within my body. So as soon as Steve pops you know, on when here, God sends some, when God sends us something down on loan, you 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 would expect that thing to be at a hundred percent. You know, you well, expect that thing to be shiny and brand new looking, uh, not <laughs> like fifty uh, percent or whatever it is you're dealing with. <laughs> well. You know, he he wants me to be as much human like as as possible. He doesn't want me to be all godlike because you know that would that would be an unfair advantage. You know, so he wants me to at least be somewhat human. And so I think uh, I, I I'm I'm getting the plague just just enough to to be to be human. We got another game here, and again, not really mattering as far as as. Um, the, the the playoff committee goes, but certainly matters as far as bowl games goes. Certainly matters as far as ranking. You got number sixteen Iowa State and number fifteen the Texas Longhorns. A lot of distractions coming out of Ohio State and the Texas Longhorns this week as well. I don't know that that's going to play much of a part of it. I still think that that Texas at home is always going to be your 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 shoe in to bet. Uh, Longhorns are going to win at home against Iowa State. 16 and 15 is not going to change. Yeah, I, I see Texas getting the win here. Iowa State's tough. Iowa State's a tough matchup for anybody, like, every year it seems like. Iowa State always around these seven or eight eight-win teams, but they seem to show up in these big games and pull off upsets. Uh, I see Texas winning a close one today. Uh, Tom Herman's putting it together down in Austin. He just needs what, – what he really needs is, is a reliable quarterback. He's got two of them down there, Stan Michelle and uh, Elliger. Uh, I, I just don't see them as being the type of quarterback for his offense, although they've been doing pretty good. But once he gets his quarterback uh, situation lined out, uh, Texas is going to be a scary team here in the next couple of years. Let's talk a little bit about Ohio State, the scandal, things going on with Zach Smith, Tom Herman, beef comes to a head this week. Uh, I, I, I think – we need to put this to rest, but at the same time, everybody's talking about it. It seems like that Tom Herman maybe uh, released some text, some personal text uh, that was sent, or Tom Herman's wife to Zach Smith's wife, as we know what happened with all of that. Thoughts? Yeah, my thoughts are that uh, Urban Meyer seems to remember if Zach Smith used racial slurs or not. But he couldn't remember a damn thing about if uh, there was any uh, uh, domestic violence or anything going on with his coaching staff. He didn't remember anything about that or any text messages. Never saw or heard anything. He couldn't remember. But he remembers everything about Zach Smith if he used racial slurs on the practice field or not at at, at the receivers. Well, I, I guess my whole thing is that investigation's done. That investigation's over. I honestly think that put a a big dent in Urban Meyer and his legacy there at Ohio State. That's why I think he's he's on his way out. He wants to talk about health reasons. Do we think that, that Urban Meyer is done at Ohio State? Uh, I think he should be done coaching totally. 
because uh, that whole thing is a joke. That whole investigation, that whole domestic violence thing, where he doesn't remember anything about it, but he remembers exactly what to do on third and one every time. So I, 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 it's a joke, you know. Uh, it has stained his legacy. This is what I will always remember about Urban Meyer, his time at Florida, and this whole thing now with Zach Smith. Uh, if Ohio State wants to save any credibility for their program in the future, they probably just need to let him go. Well, that's just it. They had an opportunity to fire him. They didn't fire him, so they're not going to fire him. So that right. said, it's he's all about wins, and that's why I'm saying that's why it stains the program because it's clearly all about wins. It, who cares if somebody's wife got beat up by, by a member of the coaching staff? How does that affect our wins? That's what that investigation, that's what that whole decision, uh, that's what it was for. It was wins. It's their football program. If they were a 4-8 and eight team every year, so if they were someone like Kansas, uh, their head coach, uh, if he had any other coach in the country, really, other than maybe Nick Saban, that coach would be fired right there on the spot because it's Ohio State and Urban Meyer, and what's, what that, that's going to do to their wins and the possibility of a national cha- championship this year. Uh, that's the whole reason why that investigation took place and that stupid decision to keep him. Well, Ohio State has Maryland today. Not much to talk about there. Not much to talk about at all. But let's talk about it since we've got Ohio State on the topic Ohio State goes down and, and it has themselves some turtle soup. Well, I, I wouldn't count it. I know Maryland's been bad. They beat Texas first game of the season, but Ohio State is really bad defensively. They are terrible. And they've really underachieved uh, in the running game, too. It's all been on Dwayne Haskins. If he could throw four or five touchdowns a game, throw three or, three or 400 yards, uh, if he could do that, uh, they'll win pretty easily today. But they won't compete by Nebraska. You know, a week or two ago. So I, I wouldn't be if Maryland keeps this uh, close. Uh, I wouldn't say they're going to win. I think Ohio State's going to win, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Like man, I don't, I don't know what the spread is. Maybe it's a big spread, but I think it's going to be close for what the experts think. We're standing by for Steve Wilson, editor in chief of Speedway Digest. Uh, we're efforting to get him. Uh, when we get him on here, we'll 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 shift gears here. But we do have some other games to talk about. I know we 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 got uh, uh, got uh, sidetracked on the bail this morning, uh, so we kind of uh, we, we so we still have some some time here to to talk some more college football. Rick Riggin, executive producer of the Balance, join us. Let's talk some Big Ten action today. Not a lot of exciting stories out of the Big Ten. You got Northwestern and Minnesota. Not a lot to talk about there. You got uh, Penn State at Rutgers. Not a lot to talk about there. Uh, but overall, Big Ten, I mean, again, I, I go back to what I was saying earlier, and that is uh, Michigan is our only shot at the Big Ten. Uh, you, you mentioned that that there might be some other scenarios as far as the Big Ten getting into the playoffs outside of Michigan. Where Are you looking at Ohio State? Because I, I, I don't see that path just by – by committee, just by wins and losses, unless Ohio State, I mean, unless Ohio State wins the Big Ten, I mean, I think you got to give consideration to Michigan, and Michigan wins the Big Ten, they very well could. Yeah, that's the only way for Ohio State. That's the only way for Michigan too. I mean, they're both going to have to win out. Uh, Michigan is set up a little better, obviously, because what's Ohio State ranked ninth or tenth? Michigan's ranked fourth, and Michigan's already in right now as it is. Oh, they, they control their own destiny. They just got to win out, and they're going to stay in. Uh, Ohio State's going to have to win out also. Uh, that is, that's the only pass, uh, path, I mean, and they're going to need help up from above them. You know, I don't know what Washington State schedule looks like the rest of the way out. Uh, they should jump LSU if they went out. LSU still ranked ahead of them. LSU has two losses. I mean, LSU's really done. I know they don't look like it because they're ranked seventh or something like that, but 
their season, their playoff hopes anyway are done. Uh, but then you got Georgia and Oklahoma ahead of them too. So what does the committee do if Ohio State wins out? And now you have three one-loss teams, which that Georgia will take care of itself anyway because they they got to play Alabama in the SEC championship game. They've already clinched the SEC East. They was already clinched the SEC West. So that game's going to happen already. The SEC championship game is Georgia and Alabama. That's going to take place here in about two weeks. So it's Bama's going to beat Georgia. Georgia's going to fall. If Ohio State wins out, what do you do with Ohio State and Washington State and Oklahoma? Well, my question is, what loyalty, if you want to use that word, does the committee have to the Big Ten? The answer is none. But what loyalty does the, the, the committee have to Ohio State? The answer is maybe a little. Well, I don't know. They, I guess the way it works when they vote on these teams, if you're if you're a athletic director or whatever, you're a representative a representative of a conference or a team, a school in that conference, you're supposed to actually leave the room while they're voting or talking about those teams. So I I don't know how it works. It just just seems like whatever you've done the past two weeks and how much you've blown out teams, no matter if a team you played against is good or not. Uh, that really weighs more the committee than conference championships and head-to-head wins. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Purdue coach Jeff Brom and uh, the rumor around Louisville. Here's the thing. He's in one of those scenarios where it's good to be in, and, and, we, and we know when you coach in the Big Ten and you, and you have some success, you're going to be looked at other teams. And as we know, Louisville needs a new head coach, and, and uh, the rumor mill has been saying that Jeff Braun is, is on tap to be that. Jeff Braun, obviously still in the middle of the season, says, no, I'm not interested. I'm a bowling maker. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what I predict is going to happen. It's going to come down to uh, the old oak and bucket, and then that's IU and, and, and Purdue. Obviously, all, all uh, bets are off. It, who wins goes to a bowl. Who loses goes home. Uh, I think one, that's what the scenario we're looking at with IU and Purdue. One of them is going to go to a bowl game. One of them is not. It's going to come down to that win. So if, if, if Purdue wins and the next morning he's like, you know, I might look at Louisville. Louisville's not that far away from Purdue. I could easily make this transition. If Purdue loses and doesn't go to a bowl game, uh, he might stick around. What implications do you think, or is there anything, do you think that Jeff Brom is the next coach of Louisville? Is this a, is this a Nick Saban thing where nobody is like, oh, no, 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 it's not going to happen, then it does happen? Obviously, with Nick Saban in Alabama, it was an easy choice. Uh, so maybe that's a stretch of uh, stretch for a comparison, but Jeff Brom clearly is being talked about as the next head coach for Louisville. Yeah, I've seen that too. But my question is: Is Louisville actually a better program than Purdue? I don't think it is. The one for one swap. I don't think that makes much sense at all. At all, him leaving Purdue, which is the, the leaving the Big Ten, which is a better conference one than the ACC. I think that top to bottom uh, uh, for Louisville, which I. I don't think it's it's an equal job. But, however, if I was USC, I would be looking at Jeff Brom because Clay Helton clearly is not working at USC. And if USC comes knocking at the door for Jeff Brom, uh, he probably will take the USC job because if you out in Hollywood, you imagine the athletes he could get at USC and the wins and the actual real championship potential he would have then at USC. To me, that makes much better sense. Nobody has been talking about USC yet. 
getting rid of Clay Helton and possibly going to Jeff Brom. So you're hearing that from me first. But I think, to me, it makes more sense that USC looks him up, hits him up after the season, gets some info, and uh, check Breaking right here on the balance, Rick Riggin, Jeff Brom to USC. <laughs> Watch it happen, though. Watch it. <laughs> I, no, I'm not disagreeing. I mean, if Louisville and USC both knocked on his door, if, if it was me, if they both came to my door, I'm going to USC every time. Uh, well, that's, over Louisville? Are you crazy? There's, there's two decisions that coaches oftentimes have to make. An ego move or a better professional move. And both of those can be good, but they can also be very conflicting. If you have an ego uh, moves like, hey, look at me. Oh, yeah, look at me. Sometimes that gets in the way of your professional job and what you're supposed to do. Sometimes that hurts you more than it helps you. If you take a professional job, hey, this is a good, this is a good move for me. I could do a lot of work here in Louisville. I don't have to move very far. I can get some good recruits. I, I could probably, and a lot of, one would argue, you could get better recruits in the ACC than you can Big Ten, especially if it's Purdue. It's not like you're going to Ohio State. That's uh, that's another ego one. Oh, well, if Ohio State's done with Urban Urban Meyer, and, and, and they say, Jeff, Jeff Brown, we, we want you. Does he pick Ohio State over USC? Every day, all day long, because he knows that's a better professional move. Ego move, USC. Professional move, Ohio State. So I think that right, – That's that, probably an ego move to go to USC, though. You said it yourself, Hollywood. Look at me. I mean, it is an ego. I didn't say it any like coach, that. Any I didn't co- say any coach. Of Hollywood. Well, look at me. I'm just saying, if you're if you're a head coach, the whole idea and the whole reason for you being a head coach is to move up in the world. You don't do the sideways move. You always entertain the idea of going to the next level. That's why college coaches go to the NFL, and sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it does. Even in college, if you're coaching at Ball State and a, a, a better job comes up, you're taking that next better job at college football. Uh, and Louisville, him leaving Purdue for Louisville is a sideways move. You shouldn't do that. I don't think head coaches think that way. If USC comes available and they call him up, he's going to take the job at USC because uh, the athletes he's going to get at USC are going to be far better than, and far easier to get than they will, will at Louisville every time. So it, it, it's not an ego move at all. It, it is a professional move. Well, here's the, here's the thing. What I mean by ego move also is, okay, let's look at IU for example. When when Bobby Knight go all the way back to Bobby Knight when with basketball, Bobby Knight created a legacy here at Indiana. I don't think it's ever been quite the legacy that it's been that it's that it has been at IU. Now it, I I think that it, it has potential to get there, especially after what we saw against Mar- Marquette this week. They're going to be ranked. Don't get me wrong. They're on their way back upwards, but people would have come, would flocked to want to, to replace Bobby Knight because it was such a great powerhouse of a team. I don't think that we've seen USC a, a, a powerhouse team since Pete Carroll left. And I think people are still thinking, oh, well, this, this is the USC back in the days when Pete Carroll uh, was, was the coach there. It's not that team anymore, and they're not getting recruits. And UCLA is right there at their back door, and UCLA is getting better recruits than USC is right now. Well, it, it looks that way, and they are getting those recruits. I mean, they really are. Uh, if you take the route. The five, four or five stars on USC right now, compare them to Purdue and Louisville. 
that they probably have more than Louisville and Purdue combined. They are getting their recruits, but it's been coaching. Uh, they had Lane Kiffin. It's a joke. He's a joke of the head coach. It's not working out for the Atlantic. Uh, they had Steve Sarkeesian, a drunk. Uh, that didn't work. That's the reason why they've been down. Clay Helton's just been on his coaching staff at USC since Pete Carroll, and they just gave him, they gave him the job. Sometimes guys aren't cut out to be head coaches. We saw that with McAdoo, uh, you know, the, the New York Giants. Great coordinator, great coordinator. They promoted him to head coach. Now he's at one level higher than where he probably should be. And I think that's the problem at, problem at USC now with Clay Helton. They don't have that head coach. Jeff Brom is a real head coach. Jeff Brom's probably going to go to a real program. If USC calls, that's where he's going to go. So let's uh, let's just answer this question and we'll settle it. I don't know if it's if, if you're if we're to listen to Jeff Brom, Jeff Brom has no intentions of going anywhere but staying at Purdue. No matter what happens with this season, win win or loss, bowl game or no bowl game, he's coming back. He's what he's doing here, and he's going to build on what he's doing here. If we're to take value, he's not going anywhere. But if we're to take history's lessons on what coaches have said and done in the past. Clearly, they do not want to announce that they're going to another team when they're still in the season and still in bowl contention. Uh, even if they're not in playoff contention, they're in bowl contention. Uh, clearly, they do not want to send a signal to the fans, to the staff, the alumni, or anything like that. So clearly, they're not going to say, oh, I'm going to Louisville or I'm going to USC. But history tells us two different things here. What side of the fence do we land on here with Jeff Brom? Does he go or does he stay? I think, to me, if if the only thing that comes up is the Louisville job, then he's going to stay because that is not like an upwards move. If if USC comes calling, though, I think he leaves. If we're just talking about Louisville, he's going to stay. And, of course, we're not going to talk about this, if he's going to take another job or not during the season because that's not fair to the team, to school, anything else. You know, it just causes a big distract, distraction. Uh, but, yeah, if we're just talking about Louisville, he's not going to take that Louisville job. He's staying at Purdue at least another year. But if USC calls or a team like that, I can't think of another big elite team that's ha- having some bad years here like USC's having. But if, if USC calls, he's going to leave for USC. It, it, I have not heard that conversation at all talked about. So it very well might happen. I'm not saying that it won't. I just – and I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that – I don't believe that that Louisville is a sideways move at all. I think it's an it's a more professional upward move because it, even though it's not the Big Ten, it's not Purdue, and it's not that Purdue has a great. Again, they haven't had a great team in a while either. So they've they've been known for football better than basketball, but certainly. Uh, but even in the last few years, they've had a better basketball team than they, than they have in, in the years past. But Louisville has had that name recognition. And there again, ACC versus Big Ten, I think as far as on the national level, if you're trying to look be looked at, you're going to be looked at more in the ACC wins than you are with the Big Ten wins. I, I see the sideways move. What has Louisville done in football that Purdue hasn't? Uh, the only thing you think about Louisville right now is Lamar Jackson winning a Heisman. But even they had a Heisman-winning quarterback, they still didn't do anything. Uh, I think it's a sideways move. I don't see them as a, a better program than Purdue because they're, they're, they're pretty much identical programs as far as wins go. So 
that if I'm serious, if it's going to come down to Louisville or USC, it's probably going to be USC. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly, and, and we've been efforting to get Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest. Haven't heard from him. I don't know what's going on. So we got about five minutes left in this segment, and we're going to merge on in over to the NFL. So we're just going to stick with some college talk. Let's talk a little bit IU. Not getting a lot of national recognition after that beat against uh, uh, Marquette. Uh, but I, I tell you what, I, I was very, 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 very much impressed. Archie Miller's got himself a, a team this year. We're going to have to make the best out of it this year because uh, we got a one-year, uh, one one-hero one guy on the roster this year that we're going to have to use and abuse because going to the NBA next year. But that said, I liked IU. I liked what they look like. Let's, we could talk a little bit about college basketball. Obviously, we, we still got some time before we get into March. But early talk, IU is going to be ranked. Yeah, they're going to be ranked. At, they were picked to finish fourth in the Big Ten, and that will definitely put them in the big dance. As the you know the NCAA tournament usually takes the top seven or eight teams in the Big Ten, so IU finishing fourth puts them right in there and gets them ranked. They look great. Uh, you're talking about Romeo being a one and done. Uh, he really does look unstoppable. Anytime he wants to drive to the to the rim, uh, nobody's really stepped in to stop him. But he's got to work on his shooting. And right now, the way he is shooting, uh, that's not helping his NBA draft stock as we talk right now. Maybe if it improves as the season goes on. But uh, I'd hold off on that one and done thing. Probably one and done, but I would just hold off on that talk and talk until his shooting improves them because he is awful shooting the ball. Yeah, that's a valid point. And I've heard that talked about a few times this week, but I think him going in from high school in there, I think everybody thought he's going to be a one and done. We'll, we'll see what happens. There's only a handful of teams that are 4-0, oh, Purdue, LSU, uh, and, and North Carolina, I think, are the only other uh, uh, 4-0 oh teams, and I'm going off of memory on this. But certainly, they're ranked a little bit lower, but it's still very, very early, but we look at those teams. Talk about Purdue. They're 4-0. You look at LSU, 4-0. North Carolina, 4-0. But still, Duke is 3-0. <laughs> Duke is back. Duke's magic is not left, Rick Riggin. Uh Duke is going to be no. <laughs> somebody that we're talking about in the Final Four again this year, if not the championship game. Yeah, they're dominating in basketball like Alabama's <laughs> doing in football. I mean, Duke is the Alabama of college basketball. It's, you know, it's uh, who's going to beat them? I mean, maybe North Carolina, maybe somebody gets a lucky win against them. I see them maybe losing one game this year just because it's hard to think about them being undefeated. I know, I know Kentucky did it a couple years ago. Uh, Duke can probably is probably that team this year. And Zion Williamson is a beast. And you know, talk about one and done, that's the one right there. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, certainly very early to talk about, but never too early to talk about college basketball, especially as we get ready uh, for uh, March Madness. Uh, so any which way, we got uh, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Notre Dame, Michigan rounding out the top four. There you have it. If we, if we started the playoffs today, that would be your playoff teams. Uh, we always talk about chaos, Rick. You and I every year say, uh, let's, let's root for chaos. Where's the chaos at this year? Uh, the chaos right now is Notre Dame still being undefeated because that's throwing a big monkey wrench into the committee uh, the committee's plans of what they want to do because the committee uh, just 
they do not want Notre Dame in the playoff. I don't know what it is, but it, it's very clear that they do not even look or count the head-to-head victory against Michigan now. Uh, they don't count conference championship games. All they care about is what you've done these past couple weeks, it seems like. Uh, but Notre Dame being, being in the top four is going to lead two uh, Power Five conferences out. That is not what the committee wants, and uh, that's, the, that's the chaos right now. Let's talk about some uh, spoilers, if you will. Washington State, uh, Ohio State. Certainly, here we go again. Can we can we can we say we have an undefeated team, not in the top four, and that's not an UCF. So, spoilers, no. But with UCF anyway, no, it's not a spoiler. Uh, Washington State, maybe a spoiler. Yeah, uh, Mike Leach has done great up there. You got the quarterback with the, the big mustache. They all wear mustaches now because they're probably <laughs> the best passing passing teams in the country. Uh, do they have the schedule strength to get there? Uh, they'll need chaos, obviously, to do it because they are they are in striking position. But if all these other teams ahead of them went out, I mean, there's no room for them to move up, and and that's the problem now. That's why the whole chaos right now is Notre Dame actually being in, because that's going to leave get the Big 12 and the Pac-12 out as it sits right now. So uh, the country is probably pulling for Notre Dame to lose today, and I can see why, because, you know, we got – they're just uh, holding everything up for these other, other Power 5 conferences. So, and, you know, and if Notre Dame does what they do every November and they hit a wall and they can't get over a hump, they take a loss, which they're not going to be in the playoff, you know, if they take a loss, so. The committee find a way to drop them down so far that it wouldn't matter what happens ahead of them the next couple of weeks. They're not going to be able to get back in. And you're going to be in mourning, and you're going to be crying. Oh, I, yeah, I'll, I'll be on social <laughs> media and with my rants and everything. You know, it, it's because of not them not having this 13th game. But, you know, if Alabama and teams like that can get away with scheduling two FCS teams a year, then how can how about Notre Dame after they play USC every year? in their 13th game, just beat up on one of these FBS teams so that way they can have that 13th game. I, you know, all, all the other elite teams do it. Notre Dame doesn't, and they get rewarded for it, and Notre Dame takes the hit. So uh, if everybody else is getting rewarded for playing the FBS schools, Notre Dame should just do it too. That way they have their 13th game. Well, we will we will see what happens. I, I uh, have to just say I apologize. We're not going to get our NASCAR segment in. Um because I was relying on Steve Wilson to, to give us a call. So we're going to merge right into uh, uh, some NFL talk here in, in, in just a moment. So, Rick, Notre Dame quarterback issue, are we comfortable with that going into today's game, or, or would we rather see someone other than Booker being the quarterback? <laughs> There's no quarterback issue at Notre Dame. What are you talking about? <laughs> Didn't your quarterback get uh, injured and they had another quarterback change? What do you, I mean, what do you mean, what am I talking about? Well, I mean, Wimbush played last week because Ian Book was a little banged up. Ian but Book hurt his ribs in the first quarter against Northwestern but still finished the game. Now, just to get him healed up a little bit, they let him take the week off. But there's no quarterback issue. Ian Book is right now the the most efficient quarterback in college football. I mean, he's throwing at like 76%. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's the no issue. Yeah, he's well, not he didn't win play the, the first three games. 
he didn't play the first three games. Let's let's throw let's throw a, a monkey in the wrench here. Let's say that that Notre Dame defies all um, all odds and goes to the, the to the national championship. Okay. Does Notre Dame have a Heisman quarterback if that happens? Either one of well, them. They have a Heisman capable quarterback, but it's not going to be this year because neither one has played a full season. Now, next year would be a different story when Ian books the full-time starter for the entire season. Which points out the flaw underneath the magnifying glass that I'm speaking of. Why does a quarterback no have flaw. to play? You're, you're trying to create a controversy or a flaw where there isn't one. I don't know where you're getting at. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm getting at the, the first fact. The season, so I'm getting at the there, fact. There would be no there way for him to win the Heisman this year. There should be a way for someone to win a Heisman that didn't play the entire season. There's an argument for that. There's a debate for that. I mean, do I think he should be in the same category as? Uh, I mean, two is blowing everybody away. Uh, so he doesn't even play the second half really. So, uh, but should he be up there with the other Heisman candidates like Will, Will Greer and Haskins and, and those guys? Yeah, definitely. But they're not going to put him in in that category because they didn't play the first three games this year. So you're creating a controversy where there isn't one. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not worried about it at all because controversy. he's he's going to be the starting quarterback next year because Wimbush is graduating. I mean, Wimbush has another year of eligibility, but he's graduating. But Ian Buck is going to be the starter next year. So, yeah, he will be that candidate next year. But this year, no, they don't have a Heisman Trophy candidate because even though he is putting up the numbers, Heisman-like numbers, he didn't play the first three games of the season, so he won't. He doesn't fit the criteria. Well, I'm 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 one that believes that the Heisman Trophy um, is a good boys' club. I'm all for it, but I think there's a lot of people that could have, would have, could have, should have won a Heisman that didn't because they didn't play a full season. That's the controversy. I don't think you have to play a full season per se. Now I'm not saying one gamers, but I don't think you have to play a full season to be a Heisman Trophy winner. Well, you talk about. Alabama's quarterback. People were ready to give him the, the Heisman Trophy after winning the national championship last year, and he didn't win the he, he didn't play a full season last year. Well, they weren't going to give you. What are you talking about? They couldn't give him the Heisman Trophy last year. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. Alabama's quarterback came in halftime during the game last year, and they won the national championship. Am I wrong on that? Right. No, you're right on that so far. A lot of people said because that happened, he should have won the Heisman Trophy. I don't subscribe to that theory. That's a one and done. The Heisman Trophy is already handed out before the national championship game. So whatever, whoever said that is, is an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'll have to go back and look at my, my stuff. Any which way. <laughs> Any which way. The Heisman Trophy Actually, comes out before the bowl games. Hmm. Or most of the bowl games. That proposes another controversy. It should be, happen after the championship game so that we can have a full look at who we want. as, And fans should have a better 
uh, decision in the um, Heisman Trophy. Just saying. I don't Just saying. know. That's the way it's always been done. You had a full season to pick your winners. I don't know why you need one more game. That takes place a well, month after the season. Well, to help us get off this train is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. How are you, sir? Hey. Hey, guys. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? Hey, you know what? We we, we kind of missed our NASCAR segment, so uh, Rick is trying to stir the pot, trying to stir some controversy up with me, so uh, I was just trying to put it to rest here about the, the, the Heisman Trophy. What we're going we're gonna to give you the deciding vote. One, should a player be eligible or be – awarded the Heisman Trophy if they didn't play a full season? And two, shouldn't the Heisman Trophy award be given after the national championship? What are your thoughts? Um, uh, I think it's the whole body of work. I mean, what did Tua, the Alabama quarterback Tua, didn't he just play that half in the national championship game? Did he, did he play it all during the season? I guess he got in a little bit, right? But Yeah, yeah um, exactly. But the point being is – go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I think you have to have a whole body of work. You just can't, you know, rest on a half of football that happened to win a national title game. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't mind the Heisman Trophy being awarded before the play, you know, before the bowl game, because it's based on the season, the regular season. And that's what matters. And it should be that body of work during the regular season, not in the bowl games. I agree. I don't think it should be a one and done, but also if you have a, a quarterback that cam, comes in half season and lights the world up is not eligible for a Heisman trophy because he didn't play a full season. I'm not a proponent of that. Rick is. <laughs> well, I didn't say that. I just said he's not going to be eligible for the Heisman this year because he didn't play the first three games. I never said he should be in for the Heisman. It should he be in the category with Will, Will Greer and Dwayne Haskins and these other candidates. Yeah, maybe because he's passing for like six, seven, six, seven percent. But I never said that he should be winning the Heisman. He didn't play the first three games, so I'm totally cool with him not being being talked about. <laughs> well, guys, we got to take a break. We'll be back. We'll get into our NFL talk. We're also going to talk about Quentin Nelson getting fined a big sum of money, guys. A big sum of money after the fact and on a play where the, the flag wasn't even tossed. We'll talk about that. Myself, Rick Riggett, and Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor. We're going to get into our NFL talk right after this. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? 
Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at GoANG.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio. See the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? One hour in the books. Thanks to Rick Riggett for sticking around with me. I apologize to our NASCAR fans. Uh, uh, did get in touch with Steve Wilson. He is down at Homestead and was out late, late last night. Obviously, it's the championship weekend uh, down in Homestead, and he overslept. And so he he begs his forgiveness, and we will not publicly shame him. Uh, but we will uh, get all the NASCAR information up. Uh, obviously, uh, we, we're down to four drivers. Shirley Gano and Kevin Harvey, one of the two that are favorites, win NASCAR championship down in Homestead. We'll get into that. Rick Rickon and I broke down some college football games, obviously big games with Notre Dame uh, and Syracuse in that number three, number four uh, position and talking about that and, and just our normal healthy debates uh, with Rick Rickon. Now joining us also now, uh, getting into our, our NFL talk, our official NFL contributor, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagle. Eagles with the Sports Exchange, www.footballmaven.io slash Eagles. Rick and Ed, how are you doing, sirs? Hey, great. Yes, how you doing? Good, good, good. Hey, Ed, uh, I'm going to. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to apologize. Tom's got me fired up this morning, Ed, but hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you can't let it get to you, Rick. You got to just take it off. I, I, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> the 
the yay. That's that's works well. Uh, Rick and I have been doing this for a good number of years, and we've only been agreed on what maybe five times on anything, Rick. So it's all it's all good. It's all good. Right. It's all. <laughs> it's all good. Well, you put well, on the guys. Irish, and that plays with my emotions. I'm already on edge today anyway because it's a scary <laughs> game against Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we understand the love of the Irish. I do want to get. Uh, not really Irish news. It's more Colt news, uh, but we'll get to that in, in a moment with Quentin Nelson. And I think and I think we could all re- agree that that was a ridiculous fine that was handed down by the NFL to Quentin Nelson uh, for that uh, head led uh, tackle, if you will. But that first, before that, we've got breaking news. Well, not so much breaking. Everybody knows it unless you've been uh, underneath a rock, per se. Uh, The bell did not ring in Pittsburgh. That is the title of our show. We'll start with you, Ed Kratz. And, and Rick, I know you've already given your formal uh, announcement of where we think that Levanian, 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 however you say, the bell uh, is not going to be it. Le'Veon. But the Steelers uh, uh, packed up Bell's locker uh, after it was pretty much he wasn't going to be back, and uh, I heard, Ed, that there was some uh, Jordan cleats, there were some nice shirts and hats and even some cologne, and I even saw on social media from one of the Steelers players, I can't remember which one it was, hey, I got the Bells deodorant. I don't know that I would want to brag about that, Ed, but go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, first, uh, Tom, your pronunciations cracked me up with the Le'Veon Bell and the Colin Kirkpatrick. Yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, it's just, so uh, he, I, I here, here's the thing. Ed, Rick, Tom. See? That's that's yeah. how people should be named. <laughs> I, it does get a little confusing. I hear you. But uh, it just cracks me up. I, I have I the same problem that. with race car drivers, too, so it's, it's all good. <laughs> uh, it must be a genetic thing, I guess. I guess, yes. Go ahead. What are your thoughts, though? I mean, Bell, first of all, did Bell play his hand? I, I get it. I'm all for people getting their money. Believe me, I'm a capitalist. I think you should get your money. You should get what you deserve. But I think that he could have gotten what he wanted and deserved had he I think, played, especially with Connor being as well as they are. And, they, and not that they'll get to a Super Bowl. Let's just say they do. I mean, he's going to sit back and say, wow, well, did he overplay his hand on this? Yeah. I, I I think he did. I mean, he, he's what did he forfeit about fourteen million dollars this year? I mean, something he's not like get that. that yeah. Back and he, yeah, and he's you know I think he's you know a little older now, twenty eight maybe, twenty seven. I mean, he's just not going to get that money back. And you know, I, I've seen some national people kind of praise him for taking this stand, but I just don't understand the stand at all. It, you know, uh, you got a team that's paying you good money to run the football, and it's a good team. It's a team that contends every year for, uh, you know, to, to get to the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, I just don't understand his stand at all. Uh, but he did what he had to do, and, you know, now he's going to see where he lands next year. And, you know, you mentioned that locker room, you know, how his locker stall was kind of invaded by teammates. I mean, that that's just – I don't know how the Steelers let that happen. That's just bad. That does not look good at all. So, uh, you know, he just completely burned that bridge in Pittsburgh, and now we'll see which team out there is willing to take a chance on him and hope they can make him happy. But it's going to take a whole lot of money, obviously, to get Le'Veon Bell to sign with your team. And 
I, you know, I don't know what teams are going to be willing to pay him after this kind of this kind of a stunt that he pulled this year uh, by by showing that he's so unhappy that he doesn't want to play for fourteen million dollars. I, I don't get it. Well, if you were to if you were to roll the dice and say, uh, I'm not I'm not putting a gun to your head here, Ed, but we're, 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 let's try to figure out the most logical places. If you were to say, if it were me, if I if I were if I were Bell's agent. This is where I would direct him to go. Where would he be? Oh, boy, that's a good good question. I know we kind of swapped some teams back and forth during the week, Tom. And, um, you know, maybe the Raiders. I mean, they seem to be the kind of a team that takes on outcast-type players. At least that's their, their history. And you could say Bell kind of fits that mold. And, you know, they're, they're probably looking for a running back. And maybe John Gruden, that fits the kind of guy he's looking for. So maybe the Oakland Raiders or the Las Vegas Raiders, whatever they're going to be. Uh, but you know, maybe the New York Jets, you mentioned the New York Jets, they could use a running back too, but, uh, you know, wherever he goes, you may have to make sure you have a good locker room in place to kind of absorb any kind of distraction that he's potentially, uh, could potentially cause. So, uh, I'm not sure how strong that Jets locker room is or that Raiders locker room, but they certainly have needs, uh, you know, in both the, on both those teams. So, uh, you know, just looking around the league too, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could to take a look at him uh, to run the football. So, you know, there's teams out there. Uh, I don't think, like, you know, teams that have running backs like the Giants, Saquon Barkley, and the Lions have on Johnson and Rick. I don't think Rick would want Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but, you know, no, not you, at all. You know, maybe the Eagles. No, I, I, I yeah. love on Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and you should. I mean, he's a good back. Uh, but, you know, and the Eagles could use a running back, but I just don't see the Eagles paying that kind of money uh, for a running back when you have Carson Wentz. You know, you got to start looking ahead to his next contract. So I don't, I don't think the Eagles would get into those sweepstakes. But you never know. Howie Roseman's been kind of creative on the salary cap before. But I, you know, I think the Eagles would be a long shot at this point. I mean, it's really, you know, I like the Raiders and I like the Jets as possibilities. Well, you're you're right in the middle. We're, we'll call you Switzerland because Rick, uh, Rick uh, picked the Raiders. Uh, Rick, we'll get to you here in just a moment. I'm going with the Jets as much as I like to see him here in the Colts. I know he's going to be a PR nightmare. Uh, certainly, he won't be playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers at all this season. Uh, it, it, there is still a chance. There's still an outside chance. But uh, you 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 nailed it on the head. He burned the bridge pretty good there. I would say there's a very almost zero chance, but there is a small chance that Pittsburgh could still retain him and that he won't go into full blown uh, uh, unrestricted free agency. But I think with the combination of cap space and, and need, Bell would make an immediate impact with the Jets, and I think that's what you got to look at. The Raiders, yes, I, I don't disagree with that. In fact, that was one of the teams that, that, that I talked about. I told, I told Rick earlier this week, don't say the Raiders or don't say the Jets, but it seems to be the two teams that really make the most sense. Rick, you're up. Yeah, and like I was saying earlier, Ed, uh, the most sense to me is, is the Raiders because they're moved to Las Vegas, and I think uh, we see John Gruden being a failure right now in, in Oakland, but I see it as building towards Las Vegas and him putting together, I don't know, close to an old L.A. Rams type of team for their first year in Vegas and have them set up to make a playoff run, and Le'Veon Bell uh, would fit that type of player that John Gruden needs because uh, what they – they got like three first-round picks now coming up this draft, an extra third-round pick because of Amari Cooper. Uh, they're going to put together a team, and I think Le'Veon Bell is that type of player uh, that could, could 
impact that team in a positive way, even though it'd be a PR nightmare for a while because, like you said, with the locker room and everything, but had them set up and ready to go for the first year in Vegas. Go go ahead, Ed. Do you, you have any other thoughts yeah. on that? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I mean, I think it's a good idea. And, and again, I think Gruden's an old-school coach who still values a running back. I mean, you know, a lot of teams don't have that value. Uh, they don't value running backs as highly as, as some organizations do. And, uh, you know, and look look at Connor stepping in for for Bell this year. I mean, that shows that, you know, look, you can find a running back later in the draft uh, – uh, you know, you don't have to go out and spend all this money on someone like Bell. Yeah, he's a premium back, but it depends on how the organization values it. But you're right, Gruden wants to probably build the team heading to Vegas, and, uh, you know, who better to do that with Bell to sell some tickets once you get to Vegas. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I, I think it's an interesting thought. I'm probably leaning toward Vegas at this point too, but the Jets are right behind them. So – Real quickly, guys, you know, some teams that have been tossed around. You mentioned your Eagles. You mentioned the Buccaneers. The 49ers, I think that he would be a, a monster there with, with Shanahan. The Texans, obviously, we don't want him in the AFC South, but the but the Texans could, could entertain him. The other interesting thought that was tossed around this week was the Giants. And the reason the Giants, and you asked me about this, uh, Ed, in the Giants, the Giants need another weapon. To, to compliment, they need more help if they want to keep Eli Manning. Maybe they've moved on past Eli Manning, but if they're going to keep Eli Manning, they need more weapons. And that's where Bell would come in to, to play at, is be, just being an additional weapon. Baltimore Ravens is the other team that people think would be highly on his list. At this point, I don't think anybody knows it's anybody's game. It could be any team inside the NFL, and we're going to be talking about this a lot. But what are your thoughts about the Giants and the Ravens? So I, I don't think the Giants would make a play for Bell, and I don't, you know, you don't want to split reps between Barkley and Bell. And uh, if you're looking at weapons, I mean, I think the Giants have some pretty good weapons. They need a quarterback. I don't think Manning will be back in New York, but they also need offensive linemen. I mean, their lines shambles, and you know that's really the direction they should go. I just don't see it happening with the Giants. And, you know, I think the Ravens. You know, maybe. Uh, you know, they may be transitioning at quarterback, too, and they may want to give uh, Lamar Jackson some help if they move away from Joe Flacco. So, I guess you could put the Ravens in the mix there with Bell. So, Rick uh, is licking his wounds from uh, Tate moving to the Eagles. And, uh, Rick, have you, have, you, have you said, okay, have you come to peace with this? Well, it's just whatever that Patriot way he's put together up up there at Detroit. I, I don't understand it just yet. Uh, but they don't look that great. You know, they're not moving the ball on offense. They're not playing that great of defense. It, it, it's weird how they beat the Patriots and the Packers and, and these teams, and they lose to the Jets. So I, I don't understand it yet. I mean, they had some good seasons under Caldwell going to the playoffs, and then we fire him to, to bring in Patricia to have a year like this. So I don't know. Maybe there's a method to the madness of it. Uh, but uh, Golden Tate wasn't even a leading receiver on the team. I think he's the third uh, receiver, the leading receiver. So uh, has he been a great fit so far in Philly, Ed? He, well, you know, he didn't really get on the field a whole lot in his first week, which was kind of surprising. Um, you know, he did have kind of that full week you know, because the Eagles were on a bye. So he did have that week, and then he had the extra week, but he only got 18 snaps. 
against the Cowboys on Sunday night. So I think Doug Peterson said the reason was because they went into their up-tempo offense quite a bit, and Tate wasn't really well-versed in what he needed to do in that and some of the code words that they used. But, uh, you know, he took back two punts. It's something he didn't do a lot in Detroit the last two years was return punts, but he did go back there and catch two of them and return them for, I think, 11 yards on two returns. So I think he'll have a bigger role on Sunday in New Orleans. I think they'll look to get him the ball more. Peterson said during the week that he is a little bit more up to speed now on the up-tempo uh, play calling and the, and the code words that they use in that offense. So I think he'll have a larger role. But, you know, he's only here for, you know, seven games. It looks like I don't think the Eagles are going to re-sign him. So maybe the Lions go out and re-sign him as a free agent. Who, who the heck knows? I mean, yeah, maybe you don't know. <laughs> you don't know with Matt Patricia. I mean, he, he had him out there practicing in the snow this week, didn't he? I mean, that caused a little bit of a – uh, of a, yeah. a storm, if you will. So I, yeah, I don't know what's going That's on. Right. So let's get into our NFL talk. Uh, Rick uh, Riggin is joining us as well as Ed Kratz, our official uh, NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles. So we always like to start with the Philadelphia Eagles. Gosh, uh, Rick, I mean, Ed, it always seems like that – we have to deal with these Super Bowl hangovers. You guys are, are dealing with that. You got the Saints coming up. Very, do we want to call it depressing or do we want to call it miscalculated loss to the Dallas Cowboys? Looking at that, that I tried to help you find some silver lining. <laughs> You're like, there was nothing good about that game. There was nothing good about that team. Now you got the Saints, two losses in a row. That's going to hurt. So what have the Eagles done what did they learn in the film room from the Dallas Cowboys? They gave that game away. They can't go to New Orleans and do the same thing that they did against Dallas. What's the film room? What's the meetings been like? What's the atmosphere been like there in Philly this week? Well, you know, they're circling their wagons and they're doing the whole underdog theme again. Nobody's giving them a chance. You know, that's the same thing they rode to winning the Super Bowl last year, but it, you know, it just doesn't work this year. Uh, um, you know, I think the theme is they need to start fast. That's been their, you know, the big bugaboo for them this season is slow starts. And it was, again, it happened again against Dallas. They only put three points on the board in the first half, which is ridiculous. They didn't convert their first third down until there was about six minutes to go in the third quarter. So, you know, third down efficiency, red zone conversions, and starting games fast, that's been hurting them all year. And that's kind of what they're still harping on is they have to do those things. Uh, against New Orleans, you know, New Orleans has scored, you know, like 130 points in the second quarter. So if the Eagles don't start fast, this game could be over by halftime. Um, and then on defense, the Eagles just haven't created any turnovers. They only have four interceptions all year. They had 19 of them last year. Uh, they're near the bottom of the league in the giveaway takeaways at minus six. Last year, they were a big plus in the turnovers. And that really leads to winning games is giving your offense short fields with turnovers the Eagles have one of the worst starting field positions in the NFL they their average start is to 26 yard line uh you know and it's tough to put together long drives you know every single time you get the football and convert them into points so turnovers the lack of turnovers has really been the problem on defense the Eagles just don't get them uh and, and that hurts the offense too so I think that's kind of what's been the theme this week is getting turnovers and starting fast. They're the two big ones and, and getting Golden Tate involved more. Rick, we'll move on over to you. Uh, the Panthers and the Lions. Panthers are at the Lions. As you mentioned earlier, we don't know really what uh, Patricia's doing there with with the Lions. Uh, obviously, the Lions are your team. What say you, the Panthers and the Lions? 
Well, I just – I the way it's going right now, I just don't see this being much of a game. I think that the Panthers is going to come and roll, roll over the Lions, unfortunately, because I don't know what's going on in Detroit, and it's uh, it's kind of sickening. You know, with Caldwell, you knew that offensively Matt Stafford would be uh, throwing for a lot of yards and keeping them in the game and everything. And, you know, they have some good playmakers on defense, but for some reason the defense isn't stepping up. I mean, you just saw the Bears last week roll run all over them. And I, I think it's going to be the same way against Cam Newton and the Panthers. I, I don't see it being much of a game it's, unless they step up defensively and put some points on the board in the first half. I, I think this game could be over by halftime. So, Ed, we'll get your official take on this because you are our official contributor to the balance, and we greatly appreciate that. And uh, welcome your advice, the Panthers at the Lions. Well, I think the Lions are kind of out of any playoff hope. They're just, you know, looking to save their job under Patricia because this is decision-making time, you know, for him in the front office, who's going to stay on this team and be a part of this, uh, you know, this rebuild, so to speak, going forward. But for the Panthers, you know, they're trying to keep pace with the Saints. You know, the Saints have eight wins. Panthers are two games behind them with six. Uh, So, you know, this game's pretty important for the Panthers. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to come in, and and Rick's right, I mean – this game could be over at halftime, um, you know, but we'll we'll see. I think it, it's in Detroit. I think, right? Aren't they playing? Uh, yeah, that's there. Yeah, it's a, it's a home game and, for Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that that might and, uh, help them. But, yeah, I just want to say I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, you know, I haven't seen the Lions fan base really turn on a head coach so quickly because we're just so used to losing, and now with Caldwell in there, we there was some sort of hope because we was in the playoffs two the last three years. And now Patricia's in, you know, we love the whole pencil look and everything when he came in. Now I think the pencil looks stupid. So it's happened. So <laughs> we'll see. All right, guys, let's move on over to the AFC South. Obviously uh, the Texans have a, a strong hold on that, but wake up, wait a minute. The Colts are within firing range of of, of being in, in, in the playoff contention. Yes, it's a wishful thinking on my part, but they had a tight game against Jacksonville. They won. Okay, a win's a win's a win. As ugly as it is, a win is a win is a win. We'll take it. We'll move on down the road. The Indianapolis Colts are looking a lot better now than what they were at the beginning. Uh, here's the thing. The Indianapolis Colts are undefeated against the Tennessee Titans when Andrew Luck has been the quarterback. They are at home. They are hot. The Tennessee Titans are good. They beat the Patriots. I don't want. I, I think that was an anomaly. The, the Patriots didn't show up for whatever reason. That was not a normal Patriot team. That was not a normal Titans team. So I throw that out. I throw that vote out, if you will. So I look at this matchup being a very tight matchup. More important win for the Colts than the Titans. But if the Colts pull this off, they are. Ed, what are your thoughts? Yeah, this is a must-win for the Colts if they want to, uh, you know, keep this playoff train on the track. Uh, you know, sitting at four and five, and there's a bunch of competition for a wild card spot. I don't think they're going to be able to catch the Texans, uh, so that puts you in the wild card hunt. And there's a bunch of teams in that mix, but the one ahead, one team ahead of them in that mix is the Titans right now at five and four, and you know they're coming off a big win against the Patriots, so maybe there's a little bit of a letdown early on and. Uh, and the Colts are able to take advantage of that. And, you know, you mentioned they seem to get better every week, and it doesn't matter who they play and how they win. The bottom line is just win. And 
they are getting better each week, and that's something you like to see from a first-year head coach, and that's what Frank Reich has this team doing. Each week they're getting better. It's something we're not seeing out of Matt Patricia in Detroit. So uh, earlier this week on various different national shows, I heard Frank Reich on, on different interviews uh, from, from Dan Patrick, Colin uh, Patrick, uh, uh, Clay, uh, Clay Travis was talking about him. Three of the biggest, na- uh, Golick and them were talking about it, the biggest national radio sports talk guys are talking about Frank Reich and what he's doing in Indianapolis. This cannot be a coincidence. What are your thoughts? Well, I, I think Frank Reich has always been a good communicator. Uh, saw that firsthand for a couple of years here in Philadelphia. He's able to uh, relate to the players. I think having played in the league uh, as a backup quarterback and having success in that role gives him some uh, – I don't know, cachet, if you will, in the locker room. It gives him, you know, a presence in that locker room. Players know that he knows what they're going through, and I think he can uh, respond to what the players are going through and know, you know, when to back off and when to put the pedal down because he can sense it because he's been in that locker room. And uh, I think that's a big part of the reason for Frank Reich, and he's able to succeed. He's a very mature, calculated individual uh, who's a likable guy. Uh, You know, he's almost like a father figure, and I think players can Mm -hmm. respond to that. He reminds me a lot of Tony Dungy. What do you think, Rick? Yeah, you know, and it kills me to say because I'm anti-Colts. Even here in Indiana, I am the anti-Colts <laughs> because I just I, – I do not feel like there was a Colts fan here in Indiana until Peyton Manning got here and they were winning because everybody was Bears fans or Niners fans, uh, even my buddies, you know, Cowboys fans. Chiefs fans, yeah, everything, and then once the Colts started getting good, everybody's all of a sudden a Colts fan, and I refuse to jump on the bandwagon. But uh, I, I will say that I do think they're turning a corner. I do think they look pretty good. I think they get it done against Tennessee, and I don't think that game Tennessee played against New England was an anomaly. I think there's something weird going on in New England because when they played against the Lions, the Lions didn't even let them off the ground, and that shouldn't happen, you know, New England versus the, the Lions, you know, but they got destroyed by the Lions. They they got beat up by Tennessee, and uh, I, I think the Colts can get it done against Tennessee. I think if you go to quarterback play, it luck is better than Mariota. Uh, defensively, uh, maybe the Titans are a little better defensively because I do like what Mike Vrabel's doing down in Nashville, but uh, I think the Colts could get it done. All right, let's the games to get as many of these in as we can. While Mo from the BS Sports Show will be joining us as well. Uh, Thursday night we saw the Packers and the Seahawks. Uh, I, I am I'm confused again why the Packers were able to just give this game away. They had it in their grasp, and I the Packers are are, are not Packer football this year. Uh, it just seems. Something's odd. Something's off. I don't know what it is, but uh, the Packers uh, suffer a loss on the road out in Seattle. Well, I just think the Packers just aren't a good team. Uh, you know, it's, that's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, Aaron Aaron Rodgers is the team, but you need to put, you know, a few more weapons around him uh, in order to be successful. You can't keep asking him to come onto the field trailing by three points in the last minute and pull this game, you know, pull a football game out of uh, so the, the Packers need to get better. They need to get better on defense um, and maybe at the head coach spot. You know, Mike McCarthy, there's a lot of talk after that loss that, you know, he could be on the hot seat. This would be the second straight year Packers missed the playoffs. They've got the best, you know, one of the top three quarterbacks in the league on their side. And 
to miss the playoffs two years in a row just isn't acceptable no matter how weak maybe the parts around Aaron Rodgers might be. You need to get into the playoffs with him as your quarterback, and McCarthy hasn't been able to do that these last two years. And, you know, Rodgers is going to be 35, I think, in December, so he's not getting any younger, and he's only won one championship. So, you know, the Packers have to do a better job getting parts around him. You're, you're, you're absolutely right, and, and I've heard a lot of rumors, a lot of rumors that this is it for Mike McCarthy. So we'll, we'll see what happens, but he is definitely on the hot seat. Just got a text from Mo. He's not going to be able to join it. He got called in, and he is actually on the air now. So I, I guess that's more important. I don't know. Who cares? No, I'm just kidding. We'll publicly shame him. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. So uh, he's, uh, he's uh, feeding his own radio as opposed to ours. I, I, don't, I don't understand the loyalty there, Ed and Rick, but any which way. <laughs> Rick, Where's the Rick, priorities? Where are the priorities? That's, yeah, that's right. That's right. Rick, uh, what are your thoughts, though, on, on the Packers and the Seahawks, Mike McCarthy on the hot seat? Yeah, to see them fight for last place with the Lions, you know, we're talking about the Packers. It's just pretty crazy. Uh, I do hear a lot of the Mark, uh, Mike McCarthy talk, too. Uh, receivers need to step up. Uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I know Devontae Adams is really coming on strong. He, he's been awesome this year, really. If you have him on, fantasy, on your fantasy team, you're probably pretty happy. But they got some rookies out there, too. Equinemia State Brown, uh, once he gets going, he's going to be real nice. Uh, but it's going to take time for these, a lot of young players the Packers have right now. So uh, they still – one knock they've always had with me, anyway, I've always felt like they never had a strong running game, and I don't think that's the case again this year. So – uh, defensively, they're getting older with Clay Matthews. He's not getting any younger either. Uh, but maybe it's time to make a, a change there, uh, maybe just make Aaron Rodgers a player head coach also. I mean, do they really need a new head coach? I mean, McCarthy could be gone because they just date a head coach for a while and then decide later, you know, <laughs> just let Aaron Rodgers what? call the shots. So I think that's you what he does it. anyway, right? Well, you make an interesting point, but still at the same time, Ed, it didn't seem like Aaron Rodgers was really questioning Mike McCarthy's calls at all on Thursday, or was that just me just not seeing it? Well, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if he was or not, but, uh, you know, I think there was some controversy there on the fourth and two, whether he should punt, uh, punt the football or go for it with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. They punted with like four minutes to go in the game, and they never got the ball back. So, you know, that inability or that, you know, refusal to be aggressive in that situation ended up costing them. I guess you're kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't there. If you if you go for it, you don't make it, then, you know, then you're going to get questioned. But if you go for it and you make it, then you probably win that game. And You know, I think they, you know, maybe you can question McCarthy in that regard that he's just not being aggressive enough with one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We're talking with Ed. And one more thing, Tom. Go ahead. Just one more thing. Mason Crosby is missing some kicks, too, that has put them in spots mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be in. I mean, they could easily beat the Lions. They easily had this game against Seattle the other night, but Mason Crosby's missing some kicks this, this season. No, you're right. Crosby is, has been beating himself up, too, and, and we we visibly saw that a few weeks ago, and, and Aaron Rodgers was giving him some words of encouragement. So uh, maybe it's just one of those things, just one of those years. Who, who knows? Uh, but we are talking with uh, Ed Kratz, our official NFL contributor, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, with the Sports Exchange. Check his work out at www.footballmaven.io. Follow him at Ed Kratz and follow Rick at Rick. 
Now, Riggin underscore Rick, I believe, is the right Twitter handle for Rick there. That's right. <laughs> I, I think I got them. I think I got them all, all memorized. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Eli Eli Manning and the New York Giants, Ed. Uh, here's the thing. I think we could be seeing the end of an era Giants with Eli Manning. I, it's unfortunate. Again, uh, we, we like our Mannings, especially here in Indianapolis. And I'm a big fan of, of, of Eli. Uh, have been a fan of him for years. Obviously, uh, followed his work just because of the relationship to Peyton. But at the same time, we're seeing him now go through what Peyton went through, maybe not physically injury-wise, but just a, a an end to an error. What we saw with Peyton Manning, though, if if the family tradition continues, he leaves the New York Giants, goes somewhere else to win a Super Bowl before retirement. We've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with a red-hot quarterback, Fitzmagic, right now. What say you about this matchup? Yeah, well, you know, all good things have to come to an end. You know, this whole Manning era – uh, looks like it's coming to an end. At least it is for Eli in New York. I just don't think they will be bringing him back. And, uh, you know, with their record right now, uh, they're going to pick probably in the top five. And they might be the only team in that top five that look, needs a quarterback. So uh, I think they would probably end up drafting a quarterback. And, uh, you know, I just don't think they'll bring Eli back. Uh, and then I don't know where he's going to end up if he still feels like he has anything left or if he just wants to call it a career and uh, retire as a New York Giant. We'll have to wait and see. But, yeah, Fitzmatrick, Fitz, <laughs> Fitz, I'm sounding like you. Uh, <laughs> Fitzmatrick, uh, he, he's, uh, you, know, he, he, he's, you know, he's able to put points on the board. And it's just up to the Tampa defense to stop players and, you know, stop people. And, you know, those guys are playing for uh, Dirk Cutter's job down there. I think he – relinquished the play calling duties to uh, Todd Moncton, his offensive coordinator this week. So, you know, we'll see how that pans out for uh, Fitzmagic. Fitzmagic. That's the new nickname. I love and, and And Rick, did you see that press interview where he was, he was wearing all that, that bling bling and kind of looking like, uh, 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 Oh, Conor McGregor. Yeah, Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor. I loved it. <laughs> Rick, what are your thoughts? Eli Manning. In an error, the Buccaneers, well, the Giants. Uh, what the Giants have going for them now is this quarterback class out of college isn't uh, looking real strong. You got Justin Herbert up in Oregon, Drew Locke in Missouri, probably your top two guys. Uh, it's not a really strong class. They, I, I think I said on the show the past couple of years now, the Giants may be looking at a quarterback and he's, at some point these past couple drafts because I think uh, they, Eli should – should have probably been done last year, even the year before. Uh, my question, though, do you think he's a Hall of Famer? Because a few years ago, we would probably have said yes because of the two Super Bowl wins. But now when you look look at it, uh, they've been to the playoffs. But those two years that he went to the Super Bowl are his only playoff wins. He hasn't had a playoff win other than those two years they won the, won the championship. So looking back now, look what his career has turned into. Do you think, Tom, that he's a Hall of Famer? Oh, absolutely. I think, and Ed, maybe you could chime in on this, but I absolutely think Eli Manning, because he's won a Super Bowl, that puts him into the status of a Hall of Famer, Ed. Well, yeah, he's won two Super Bowls, and, you know, yep, I think he was the Super MVP Bowls. of one. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you can make the case that his defense was the reason he won those Super Bowls, but he was still the one calling the shots on offense, so... I don't think he's a first ballot guy. I think he's a guy that's going to, you know, uh, merit some discussion among the voters when they lock themselves in that hotel room and, uh, you know, start debating it. 
Uh, I don't think he's a first ballot guy, but I think eventually he will get in. Well, and that that discussion might change if he does pull a Peyton Manning, uh, and that is go to another team and win a Super Bowl. Then he's won three Super Super Bowls, and we already know that Peyton Manning is a, is a Hall of Famer. You you, you got to say that if he wins another Super Bowl, it's just it's it's. I would say in that, at that point he would he would be an automatic first bet. Yeah, and how, how about if he ends up going to the Broncos? How. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's, let's be real. That could very well yeah. happen, especially with the relationship with his brother and, and, and the, 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 that he has with the Broncos, and the Broncos need a quarterback. That is not a far-fetched idea at all. Guys, the Steelers are the Jags. Steelers are coming on hot. Oh, guess what? Breaking news. I lost my breaking news sound bite. Dang it, missed it. Uh, but breaking news, the bell did not ring in Pittsburgh. Connor uh, looked like he was going through the concussion protocol. Looks like he's going to play. I hope so. I got him on my fantasy league, and I did not put him on the pine. So I'm hoping that Connor plays. But the Steelers are coming in hot. Jaguars are coming off of a loss against the Colts, a tough loss against the Colts. Jaguars are at home. I think more people are going to be more interested in the, who's in the swimming pool out in the bleachers as to, to the game. I think the Pittsburgh rolls all over the Jaguars in this particular game, Ed. Yeah, well, this is a revenge game, I think, for the Steelers, too, based on last year. Big Ben threw five picks against the Jags in Pittsburgh uh, last year. So, uh, you know, the Jaguars, to me, look like they're kind of a, a shot fighter, so to speak. You know, they're uh, not playing well. Um, sort of losing interest. They had started this season with high expectations. They were, you know, some people's pick to get to the Super Bowl this year after making it to the AFC title game last year and having the Patriots on the ropes late until uh, giving up that win. So, I, you know, I just think the Steelers will win this game based on, you know, the Jags going in a different direction and, and maybe based on some of uh, some, some uh, bitter memories from last year when Roethlisberger threw five picks against them. Rick, what are your thoughts? The Steelers and the Jags. Well, I, what did Jalen Ramsey say about Big Ben in that GQ article? I don't remember. Is, is he high? He's listening he's, to Jalen Ramsey anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it seems like every uh, quarterback that uh, he's talked smack about in that article has gone out and just thrown all over him. You know, I, I, I see – I'm with you, Tom. I see the Steelers, uh, they turned some kind of – they turned, they flipped some kind of switch these past two or three weeks. I mean, <laughs> uh, we weren't taking them seriously when they tied the Browns a week one. So, but anymore, they're a totally different team. I, there's no problem with Pittsburgh against the Jags this week. I think it's going to be a it's going to be a boat race. And the America's team, as you, as you hate to say, the Dallas Cowboys uh, uh, beat the Eagles last week. They're in another bird uh, bird fight this week. Maybe it's the bird flu against the Dirty Birds, the Falcons, uh, where you can get some Chick Fil A on a Sunday down in Atlanta. What are your thoughts, the Cowboys and the Falcons? Well, I'm a I'm a big fan of Chick Fil A on a Sunday. Oh I, yeah! I, you know, oh yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, you know, the, or the, yeah, the Browns beat the Falcons last week. Kind of shocked the heck out of me. I didn't even see that one coming. But, uh, you know, the Falcons have some issues, and a lot of them are on defense. And, you know, Chubb ran wild against them last week. And if they don't figure out between last week and this week how to stop the run, Zeke Elliott's going to do the same thing to them. And, uh, you know, the Cowboys are going to keep rolling. You know, they got up off the, off the mat last week against the Eagles, uh, you know, putting together a really nice win. You know, no matter how beat up or whatever you want to say about the Eagles, that was a good win uh, by the Dallas Cowboys. And I, 
you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they go into Atlanta and, and find a way to beat the Falcons just based on the running game. And Zeke Elliott uh, seems to have a little more room to run now. Amari Cooper, I think the acquisition of him has kind of uh, opened up some running lanes. Uh, no defenses aren't able to crowd the box as much as they were early in the season because now they actually have to defend the pass game because the Cowboys have a weapon. So, you know, I think the Cowboys are going to win this game. Rick, what are your thoughts? The Dallas Cowboys, the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I agree with everything Ed said because I don't, I don't know what the Falcons are uh, this year. And uh, with, I agree with everything Ed said. Every time you think Jason Garrett is on the hot seat, they go out and win a ball game. And I, I, I think they'll win this week too. And uh, I think Zeke Elliott's probably going to run wild. So uh, definitely make sure he's your running back one in fantasy football uh, this week because I, I think he's going to have a huge game. RB1, baby, RB1, and and we'll see what happens as well. Well, we, we go on over to uh, Baltimore. Baltimore, we don't know if Joe Flacco is going to play. Uh, how, Howdy Doody is going to play. I mean, Andy Dalton is going to play. <laughs> Am I the only one that, that, that sees Howdy Doody and Andy Dalton? I don't know. Uh, I've got him on, on my starting lineup because Brady's on the bye. So I'm rooting for the, the Bengals, but the Bengals have come through in a pinch here recently. And without Joe Flacco, or at least we think without Joe Flacco, it's not been made official, but it's pretty much a, pretty much a given fact that, that he didn't practice at all, that, that Joe Flacco's not going to be the quarterback. Uh, the Bengals get a nice win on the road, Ed. Yeah, uh, well, I'm kind of excited to see Jamal Jackson. I, he was one of my favorite quarterbacks coming out in this draft. And, you know, we saw a lot of quarterbacks go before him, and uh, really none of them. I think that were drafted early have played particularly well uh, so far. So I'm kind of excited to see what Jamal Jackson, what kind of juice he brings to the Ravens uh, if Flacco can't go. And I think he will go, but you know, as far as the Bengals go, huge game. Well, it's a huge game for both these teams. They want to stay in that wild card race that we talked about earlier, where the Colts are still fighting for a, a wild card spot too. So, you know, big game could be an elimination game for the loser of this game. Big millennial moment right now, Rick. Uh, I know you're sitting there scratching your head. Who's Howdy Doody? I have no idea who Howdy Doody is. <laughs> Rick, what are your thoughts on the Bengals and the Ravens? <sighs> I know who Howdy Doody is. He also looks like the cover of the old Mad uh, Mad TV magazines and all and all that. You know, they had that. It, it, yeah. That looks like Howdy Doody. I know who Howdy Doody is. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, uh, I, I think, Tom, that you're wearing off on the head a little bit because his name is Lamar Jackson, not Jamal Jackson. And I think it's a uh, going to be a uh, changing of the guard here. Uh, I, I'm excited to see Lamar Jackson also because uh, I think they're going to turn a new leaf. I think Lamar Jackson is going to have a big, a big game and uh, he's going to run all over uh, the Bengals' defense. Well, you know, ESPN fans. You, t- you know, hey, that means Tom, you were rubbing off. Well, I was calling him Jamal. Yeah, I meant Lamar. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, to, to, to give you an idea, I, Rick is absolutely right. I was scratching my head because I was thinking I could have sworn on ESPN Fantasy. It was the – I read it differently, but I was like, Ed is Ed. He knows. He knows better than I do. So. <laughs> I think I went to high school with someone named Jamal Jackson. I think that's where I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I love it. All right, let's go on over to Texas. We we don't like the Texans in the AFC South. They got the Redskins. Not much to talk about here. They're in D.C. 
yeah, it'd be nice to see the Texans lose, but Ed, that's not really a reality, is it? Well, I don't know. Don't you know the Redskins are sneaky good? I guess. I mean, you know, everybody never gives the Redskins much credit. I, you know, their defense is really, really good. They held the, the Tampa Bay to three points last week in Tampa Bay. So, you know, I, I, you know, I'm coming around on the Redskins. They have a two-game lead in the NFC East. That, you know, and this is a huge game with big ramifications in both, you know, the AFC South and the, and the NFC East. Um, you know, both teams are six and three, looking to, you know, keep pace to, to, to top their division. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to this game. I, you know, I think. I think Washington at home could beat uh, could beat the Texans. Uh, I just think that you know not many people are giving Washington a lot of credit, but that defense is pretty darn good. And uh, you know Adrian Peterson kind of tailed off a little bit last week, but you know he gives them a good burst in the offensive uh, you know, in the offensive game game plan. So uh, I, I think Washington's going to find a way to to win this game and maybe do the Colts and the, and the Titans a big favor by doing so. It would definitely do the Colts a big favor, so I'm definitely rooting for the Redskins. Rick, what say you? Texans and Redskins. Well, how cold is it in D.C.? Because you got a dome team coming in to play against a team that's flying underneath the radar. And uh, I'm with that. I think defensively they're awesome. I think they're not. Uh, the reason why nobody is really high on the Redskins because they're boring like their quarterback, Alex Smith. So, But, but I'm with that. I think defensively, defensively they're really good, and they can pull out a win here. I mean, what's the temperature? So, then they just have like well, a little small snowstorm or something like that. I mean, Ed, I know you're pretty close. Well, yeah, I, I'm close, and I'm I'm driving right now, and I'm looking at snow on the sides of the roads here. So I know they got some down in D.C., but the temperature, I, I don't think it's going to be, you know, unusually cold. I think it'll be in the 40s uh, tomorrow. That's not terrible for a dome team coming in. So, I, you know, and, of course, you won't even see the snow, you know, down there at FedEx, uh, FedEx Field in Washington. Um, so I, you know, I don't think the weather will be that big of a factor. I don't. Ed, did you get caught up in that big mess that everybody in Jersey and in uh, Northern Philly and Jersey got caught up in, uh, yes, the day before yesterday, uh, apparently, uh, no one saw that storm coming. <laughs> I saw on the news, <laughs> it was a total disaster up there. Yeah. Especially in New York city too. The whole city came to a shutdown and people were, uh, abandoning their cars on the George Washington Bridge and walking off the bridge in a, in, you know, in a snowstorm. But uh, I didn't crazy. have too much problem. I was, yeah, it is great. I, w- I was pretty much, uh, you know, sheltered in place and, and was fine. So uh, I didn't have many problems. You know, you just kind of go slow, take your time when you need to be somewhere. And uh, But I will say that the roads weren't treated and, it, and, you know, it seemed to catch the whole tri-state area here, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New York, off guard. Well, we had us a bit of an ice storm the other day, and I have the privilege of being able to work from home. So I worked the morning from home and went in the afternoon. It wasn't too bad. But uh, we had our first dose of school closings this week. So uh, we get ice more than snow here in Indianapolis. We do get our share of snow, but for the most part, it's it's mostly ice, and uh, it's never no fun. But let's talk about it. A game that's probably more of an ice storm. We probably will have more fun talking about an ice storm than this game. It's going to be the car Rosen, and it's not a new car. It's not the new Tesla. It's it's Josh Rosen and Derek Carr doing doing battle. This is going to be a nail biter, Ed. The Raiders and the Cardinals. Uh, snooze fest. Take a nap. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pass on that one. But 
Uh, the Raiders look like they're in the tank. They look like they're just trying to get the first-round pick. They don't seem to have any interest in winning games. And uh, You know, Josh Rosen, you know, if you're the Cardinals, you, you got to hope Rosen can just keep getting better. And, you know, this is a good week for him to try to take that next step forward against, a, you know, what looks to be a very disinterested Raiders team. Rick, do you have anything to say about this game? <laughs> Pass. <laughs> Pass. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna go on over. We're gonna go on over to the other LA team that might be a. Uh, we were joking about this earlier, uh, Ed, before you came on. Rick and I were that uh, the the Chargers are not going to be welcome in uh, LA after the Rams go to the Super Bowl this year. Uh, but so the Chargers might end up in 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 Oakland. They just moved all the way up the coast, uh, and the Charger fans are like, ah. I, I think it's really bad though that it's so obvious that the Raiders are are tanking that that they don't care about their fan base it's uh, as, as rick talked about earlier it's all about business it's all about the dollar but uh, the 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 other la team the chargers the former san diego chargers uh the broncos visit them broncos not doing very good the chargers are doing very well we have two winning teams in la but the rams are the team of la right now what are your thoughts the broncos and the chargers yeah, the Chargers are flying under the radar in L.A., and maybe the Rams are too. I mean, it's just not a big football uh, city. Um, but, uh, you know, they're building a stadium for both of those teams, which will be real interesting. I've seen, you know, maybe you've seen the, you know, the plans for the stadium too. It's going to be beautiful, and they're going to have a Super Bowl there, I think, in 2022 maybe. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be a great stadium for two teams, and you hope that they have enough fans to support two teams in L.A. I'm not, I'm not convinced that they do, but we'll see. But right now – they are two of the best teams in football. The Chargers are playing great ball, and, uh, you know, the Broncos, they don't really have a quarterback, and, uh, you know, they have some own issues, you know, their own issues, and, you know, Vance Joseph is kind of on the hot seat out there in Denver, and they need a quarterback, and John Elway knows it. And, you know, maybe Eli Manning will be there, like we said. <laughs> yeah, I think the Chargers are just too good right now, and Phillip Rivers is playing at a high level, and, uh, you know, the Chargers could be a dangerous team, uh, in the postseason, of course, they still have to play the Chiefs, I believe, this year, uh, which will be a good game, of course. But, you know, the winner of that game, that, you know, we'll see how the Chargers can do against the Chiefs in a couple weeks. But, you know, I don't think they'll have a problem uh, with the Broncos, even though it is a division game. Well, I think it's going to be – they're building this uh, city within a city, if you will. The This NFL city is going to be a, a mega uh, thing, and you're right. They've got a Super Bowl. It's amazing they got a Super Bowl awarded to them before the stadium was ever built and there was ever any game played there. Uh, and we very well might lose the combine to them. I hope not, but it, it very well might happen. Rick Riggin, what are your thoughts, Chargers and, and the Broncos, before we get on into Monday night's game? Yeah, just when you get used to saying the L.A. Chargers, you're going to start saying the Oakland Chargers. Uh, even though it's fun, it's, it's a fun <laughs> joke, I guess, to talk about. I don't see them leaving the San Diego because the, the stadium was crappy to go to New one just to leave and go to Oakland to another crappy stadium. Uh, I, I don't think they have – they they are thinking good. They're really good. I mean, they're going to the, – there's going to be no problem against the Broncos. But I'm with that. I don't know if that city has enough uh, football fans to uh, support – uh, it's really three teams because USC is there too. So, I mean, I know it's college and everything, but I don't know if they have enough fans to support two teams. 
Well, before we wrap it up and put a bowl on it, guys, we've got a good rivalry game. It's going to be a good Monday night uh, game, and uh, that's the Vikings and the Bears at Soldier Field. Uh, weather's not going to be much of an issue. Uh, Mitch Trubisky uh, leading the helm there. And um, um, why do I always get these two quarterbacks confused between the Lions and the Vikings? But you know who the quarterback is, Ed. What are your thoughts? Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins. In Kirk play, Cousins. Right? That's right. That's right. Yes, you're right. Uh, that's a good game. I, I don't know what the line is. That, that to me, is kind of a, a toss-up type game. And um, You know, I, I hope Khalil Mack plays. I don't know if he's on track to play or not. I know he's missed the last couple games. I haven't uh, really seen or, or heard much about what his availability was at practice this week. But, you know, he's a difference maker on that team. And uh, I think the Bears will probably need him to win this game. But, it's that, you know, that's a huge game, obviously. And I just don't know who I would take, take in that game. If I had to had to pick a team, I, I would probably lean toward the home team uh, when I'm kind of conflicted about who to take in a game. So I, I would probably lean toward the Bears in this game just because they're the home team. When I pulled it off, I said Monday night's game. I meant tomorrow night's game. Monday night, actually, the other LA and the Chiefs, which is not played in Mexico because of uh, that uh, Latino singer dancer uh, concert's going to be there, and they, the field is not going to be play worthy. So they moved it back to LA. So uh, Ed will, I mean Rick will start with you because you're up. The Chiefs, the Rams. This is a good matchup. I like this matchup a lot, and I like my, myself some Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I love the AFC South. I mean not South, but the AFC. I like the Kansas City Chiefs this year. I'm excited about the Kansas City Chiefs. They're a a third tier team uh, favorite of mine. I love to follow the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, and, and certainly they've got a great stadium, a great atmosphere, a great fan base. And so my teams are the Colts, the Eagles, and the Chiefs. But I really do. That aside, I think this is going to be a great game, Rick. I hope it's a shootout. I don't know who I have to pick this game, honestly, because it could go either way. I think it could be really high scoring, even though the Rams' defense is supposed to be really good. Uh, you would think it, maybe the Chiefs don't have anybody up front to stop Aaron Donald, but uh, they might. So I, I don't know. I, I'll just go ahead and take the Chiefs close, but a high scoring game. And I like Mahomes and Tariq Hill and everything they've put together uh, there in Kansas City. So I'll take the Chiefs in this, and that best team money can buy is going to have two losses there in L.A. Well, absolutely. The Chiefs, I've got gear to wear. I've got to get some Eagles gear. Uh, Ed, maybe you can hook us up. But uh, I do have some Kansas City Chiefs gear, and uh, I'm a Chiefs fan. I really am. Uh, if it wasn't for the Colts, they would be my number one team. But you got to like the Chiefs, even if you're not a fan of the Chiefs. you got to like the Chiefs this year. This is two exciting teams. And maybe, maybe, uh, and this could be a Super Bowl preview. We don't know. Could be. Could be, yeah, you know, and and I I'm a I am also a big Chiefs fan. The Chiefs were one of my favorite teams growing up. I mean, I could go back to you know I can name some names from the past from the Chiefs: Willie Lanier, Buck Buchanan. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Glenn you're showing your age. I mean, you're dating yourself now, yeah, there, buddy. I know, I know, but I, <laughs> you know, and then Hagstrom. Once they started wiring uh, Hagstrom up on the you know on the uh, NFL films, and they started showing clips yeah. of Hagstrom and how funny he was on the sidelines and. Oh yeah, um, you know Absolutely. I yeah I'm a I'm a big Chiefs fan from way back too, um, you know and and you know I like Andy Reid also from his 14 years in Philadelphia so uh, 
you know, it's an easy team for me to root for. And, you know, but on, from the Rams' perspective, you know, it's a home game for them. They've had to deal with some adversity. You know, they had that shooting in Thousand Oaks, which is where they train. And, mm-hmm. uh, you mm-hmm. know, they know that area well. And, they, you know, they were supposed to play in Mexico. It's been moved back to L.A. So, that, you know, they've kind of had some, some, uh, some adversity this week of their own. Um, I don't know what the over-under is, but I think I would take the over in this game. I think there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, and, and I think the Chiefs have a chance – uh, to win this game, but I, I just think the Rams Rams might be a little bit better. The best team money can buy, as Rick said, and he's right. I just think might be a little bit better on Monday night. You know, and also uh, interesting, a good point there. Maybe remind me that w- that there's they're also dealing with the fires there that that were one of the worst fires in U.S. history, and certainly one of the deadliest fires in U.S. history. So, uh, you know, wow, yeah, our, our thoughts and prayers go to that entire community out there. I was uh, talking with a, uh, a colleague out in San Diego, and he's like, it, it's so bad that he had to actually cancel uh, a business trip that he had up to L.A. So it's, it's, it's not good in that area right now, and as, as we've seen one entire community totally uh totally burned out well guys we've got to wrap it up put a bowl in it um and uh call it a show we'll start with you rick riggin i mean ed i feel like my mom calling all my siblings by the by the different names so i get to the right one <laughs> ed, ed <laughs> where, where can, honestly <laughs> I, I i know people can find you there uh, uh officially writer for the philadelphia eagles uh, .io and Eagles, but uh, you know, where can people do work masterpieces in wherever uh, other things they'd like to find out about you? <laughs> well, you can hit me up on Twitter, uh, Kratzy at K R A C Z E, and I, I post my links there so you can find me there as well as uh, my site, which is the footballmaven.io slash Eagles. All right, Ed, you have yourself a good. Uh, weekend, and we'll talk with you soon, and, and, and stay safe. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, Ed. <laughs> All right. All right, Rick. Rick, you stuck around the host show. You going to get a haircut today? I did. Uh, you already got your haircut. About it. I can probably hold off till tomorrow. No, I ain't got it uh, yet. <laughs> I see. Oh, well, you know, I got myself a girlfriend. Did I tell you that? I did, didn't I? Got myself yeah. a girlfriend. Yeah. Congrats, oh, my. Congrats. Yeah, we're, we're going to go to the movies. <laughs> We're going to watch football tomorrow. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm, I, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, where can people find you? Piece of sir. Well, I was just going to say real quick that I can't go back as far back as that on Chiefs history, but I can go back to, to the Nigerian nightmare. And also, uh, if you haven't yet, go out on your fantasy football waiver wires and pick up Jamal. Jackson, because I'm sure he's probably available 100% in every league, <laughs> and uh, you can find me Play, at Rick underscore Rick. All right, all right, Rick. We'll, we'll talk with you soon, buddy. Yeah, have a good one, buddy. All right, Rick Riggins stuck around the host show with us. That's a rarity, but so glad that he could do it. Sorry we missed our NASCAR segment. My name's Tom Mark was El Presidente. Remember, don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We do this thing called the Balance every Saturday morning between 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Uh, uh, I totally was just thinking about something that um, that that Rick said. But anyway, which way we're le- we're losing our mind. We're losing our mind. My name is Tom Marquisel Presidente. Remember to follow us at T Balance. 
and uh, on all of our social media outlets, on Facebook as well. We'll catch you next week right here on the Balance Radio Network. My name's Tom Marquez, El Presidente. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.